My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Just a heads up, this episode deals with intimate partner and gendered violence. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Wednesday the 1st of November. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. This week we reported news that another woman had been killed in Australia. Lily James was a gifted athlete and a former dancer. At just 21 years old, she was working as a water polo coach at St Andrews Cathedral School. That is where her life was brutally taken. It comes as a new report by the Australian Institute of Family Studies shows that nearly one-third of Aussie teenagers aged 18 to 19 have experienced intimate partner violence. So today we are speaking to Chanel Contos. She's the founder of Teach Us Consent and she's also the chair of the Global Institute for Women's Leadership's Youth Advisory Committee. When Chanel first launched her petition for consent education a few years ago, it was actually the first interview I ever did for The Daily Oz. Now, a couple of years later, she is back on the pod and today she's actually delivering a National Press Club speech. Before we get to that chat though, Sam, what's making headlines? Israel continues to intensify its ground and air attack on Gaza following Hamas's attack on Israel on the 7th of October. UN aid authorities have continued to call for a ceasefire, with the death toll in Gaza now above 8,000, according to Gaza's health ministry. The UN has also continued to warn the passage of aid into Gaza is insufficient. Yesterday, Israeli PM Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel will fight. Since October 7th, Israel has been at war. Israel did not start this war. Israel did not want this war. But Israel will win this war. It comes as the fifth hostage from Hamas was freed by Israeli forces yesterday, while another, a 23-year-old German-Israeli citizen, was found dead. The federal government's $10 billion housing investment fund will come into effect from today. The fund is aimed at helping deliver the government's housing targets, including 30,000 new social and affordable homes by 2028. Legislation for the fund passed Parliament in September after it initially failed to receive enough support from the crossbench. The Australian Bureau of Statistics has released 2022 data showing almost 30% of the national population was born overseas. That's a 2% increase from the 2021 numbers. Western Australia had the highest overseas-born population, 34% of residents, while Tasmania had the lowest with 21%. And the good news. Sam Kerr has finished second in this year's prestigious International Ballon d'Or Awards. The Ballon d'Or is an honour awarded to the season's highest achieving player in men's and women's soccer. Kerr was beaten out to the award by Atana Bonmati, who was a key player in Spain's victory at this year's Women's World Cup. Chanel, thank you so much for joining us on The Daily Oz. Thanks for having me, Zara. It's a big day. You are speaking at the press club later today, and we're going to get into what that speech is about and all your advocacy. But before we get there, this week, you know, like every other week in the news cycle, we have heard horrific stories about intimate partner violence. I mean, working in news, it feels like we read about these stories every single day, and you work obviously in this space. So... I want to start by, I guess, just asking you, what do you think needs to change so that we stop hearing about these stories day in, day out? 
I think what needs to change is we need to think about all of the things that led up to the point where we then hear those stories because we see the news headlines about, you know, men murdering women consistently. But when you really zoom out, it's things like controlling behaviours, jokes around things, sexist attitudes, things that increase and solidify entitlement to women's bodies in society. And we distance those small things from the final news article, but they are actually completely related in a pipeline. With that knowledge that, you know, obviously these actions don't happen in isolation and that there is this context, what can be changed? Is it just by having these sorts of conversations? I mean, it sounds lofty, but it's ultimately a cultural change. So, yeah, mm. having a conversation like this, this idea of kind of public education, so not just formal education, but the way that we speak to each other, the actions that we tell each other are okay and what aren't okay. You know, calling out jokes, calling out problematic behaviour, checking in with people to see if they're okay after they've been the brunt of one of those things. Mm. People feel as though they don't really matter or they're kind of lighthearted, but ultimately it is setting a culture that enables more insidious acts of violence to exist. I mean, you spoke there about it being a cultural change, and I'd like to hope that it's not too lofty. But just like thinking about this idea of cultural change, I can't help but think, you know, you're speaking at the press club today, you have written a book about consent, like all of these things are now becoming kind of mainstream conversations. It feels like in a way that we perhaps haven't seen in the past. Like, do you think that we are on the road there yet? I do. I really, really, really hope we do. And I mean, maybe I am living in a bit of a echo chamber mm. because of the circles I'm in or the people who engage with my content. But it does feel like the concept of consent has become mainstream. And also, I mean, I've met so many people over the last few weeks doing my book tour who are in school at the moment saying that, you know, they've received their first consent education lesson as part of the Australian curriculum. You know, I don't think, you know, we were basically the same school age at school. And yeah. I just don't think those conversations. I got nothing. Yeah, exactly. So that change is going to be massive. Mm. Like we don't even know what that is going to do culturally. And I also think there's been lots of, you know, high profile allegations and cases of sexual assault recently that have kind of really kept it in the media discourse and encouraged mm. people to have these conversations around the dinner table that potentially may not have been had before or around the TV. So I, I am really hopeful. And I think that we are in a moment where we do have potential. And I'm going to say this in my speech mm. today. I think Australia has the pri has the potential to be a world leader in gender equality. It simply needs to prioritise it. We have all the resources. We have a willing population. We have a robust education system. We have, you know, public education around health and we can communicate. This is trust in government. Why are we not doing mm. more? It simply just needs to be made something that we all want to do. Well, I mean, I guess it goes to this conversation, and I mean, you and I have had this conversation a number of times of the tension between like systemic change and, and the change that comes from the systems that we exist in versus like the individual, what, you know, one school child can do versus what a government can do to change the country. The government has made it a priority to say that they want to end violence against women. In fact, their objective is to end violence against women in the next decade. How realistic do you think that is? You know, I would love to say that I think that's going to be achieved. But whilst the government is moving towards that and implementing 
the national plan to end violence against women and children, we have really strong forces coming in the other way. We have pornography that can be very explicit that often depicts violence against women. We have figures like Andrew Tate rising mm. to prominence and those kind of like old school gendered expectations that can often be problematic and misogynistic being reinstated quite strongly by lots of young men. So we're going to need to be agile in that. And again, making sure that we're not just focusing on the most overt and devastating forms of violence, but looking back and thinking about how we can prevent and intervene before those things even become a reality or a potential. Speaking of the government, you are today speaking to a room filled with, you know, the country's top decision makers, everyone who has the power to actually make this happen. If you were to distill your message into just a few sentences, what do you want people to know? It's obviously very tough because there is so, so much. But I think bottom line is for decision makers to know that sexual violence is preventable and we need a whole of community approach and everyone to be on board with understanding how we have created a culture that enables and celebrates acts that are violent towards women and objectively sexual assault. And then also the other thing is people need to understand that this is not a problem that is happening somewhere mm. else. It is not happening overseas. It is not happening in a different you know, postcode. It's not happening in a different workplace. This is everywhere. It's all encompassing. And unless people are actively working against this culture and are actively trying to promote healthier attitudes towards each other, then that means that they're being complicit in the culture. One of the things that we've spoken about quite a bit is this idea of, you know, looking forwards and working towards a solution. In terms of thinking about what the solution and what the future looks like in our country, who do you think needs to be part of any solution? What does that look like to you? I mean, I think to reach a solution, we ultimately need to consult with young people and experts just like time and time again that's my formula of what i think is going to get us to the best possible solution because it's young people that know what is most relevant to them and it's young people that are most adversely affected by these sort of topics and then we also need to onboard men into this conversation you know understanding where they're coming from in this setting because i do have a very strong belief that the vast majority of this sort of sexual violence perpetrated in youth, you know, often teen years, is perpetrated due to a lack of understanding around consent unconsciously and ignorantly. And I think a lot of these young boys grow up to regret these decisions. So how can we speak with them and hold space to have these conversations without creating shame so that we can actually move out of that reality? And I also think it really, I know I've said this a few times now, but it just really needs to be everyone's responsibility. Mm. Like this really is something that is either going to personally affect someone like yourself or someone close to you in your life, which means the people perpetrating these crimes are also all around us. So how are we going to operate in a way that tells them that we don't endorse that behavior? Chanel, I want to end on something I've heard you say before, which is that your overarching approach to advocacy is be ruthless with structures and kind with people. Can you just explain what you mean by that? 
So that is a quote that is actually at the beginning of my book. And yeah, as you said, I try to use ideology in all the work I do. And it essentially means that whilst we're having these really hard conversations about the reality of our world, the structures, the systems, the high level things that exist, we need to be really harsh about them. We need to think very critically about them. We need to challenge them to the best of our ability But when it comes down to an individual level, we need to ensure that we're being kind to each other because I don't believe it is any individual's fault that we are in this situation. It is everyone's fault, which is why it is everyone's responsibility to do better. On that note, Chanel, good luck for your speech today and thank you so much. Thank you, Zara. It's so fun coming on here with you. Thanks for listening to that episode of The Daily Oz. If this episode has brought up anything for you, you can call 1-800-RESPECT 24-7. That's 1-800-732-737. Have a great day and we'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow.